good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Thank you for listening to the ministry of Let the Bible Speak. Today, you'll be listening to the first of a two-part message on the subject of anxiety. If you'd like to hear the full message, please get in touch at malvernfpc at yahoo.com. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6, and the Word of God says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Again, I must remind you that our brains, they are physical organs. Within our our skull, there is the organ of the brain, and that is a physical organ, and as such is subject to the fall, and therefore may be exposed to organic illness. We said in depression there are multiple causes, but one we should not discount is the fact of mental illness. The same could also be said with regards to anxiety. And there are those who suffer from anxiety disorders, panic attacks and the like, who understand that there are no reasons given for those attacks. I remember meeting somebody once who was given a decongestant medication for a head cold they had. And they suddenly were overcome by the side effect of anxiety due to that, uh, that medication. And they couldn't understand why they felt that way. They had these, these symptoms of anxiety, and there was no reason for it. And then they went back and they, they looked at the side effects of the medication, and sure enough, there it was near the top, the symptom of anxiety. And so there are some, not because of drugs necessarily, but there are some who for various reasons do suffer in this way. And again, what I said last night, I say tonight, our task as God's people is to show them care and compassion and be wise in our dealing with them. Having said all that, I don't want to deal with that issue so much tonight. But rather, I want to look at the response to anxiety that we have here in this portion of God's Word. Because in life's hard times, in life's difficulties, anxiety is often the reaction that is provoked. And thus we find ourselves suffering from anxiety at various times in our lives. And I would say that it's something that almost all of us, if not all of us at some point, have experienced. Whether it be a school examination, a job interview, a driving test, going on into life, where you begin to think about a marriage and the anxiety that brings, or money worries, financial troubles due to, to work or lack of work, on into ill health, all of these things. There are multiple reasons whereby we may respond with what we know as anxiety. And it's that which I want to focus on tonight, because whatever the cause of our anxiety whether it be a medical illness or whether it be a responsive matter, whatever the cause, the response of God's people must be the same. You see, I think we are living in a day when by there is a growing list of sins that are tolerated within the church. 
we may think of these sins as acceptable sins. There's little said about joyless Christianity. Very few people bat an eyelid when Christians live joyless lives. And yet the Word of God says, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Little is said, perhaps, of bitter Christian living. Or Christians living in a state of hopelessness. We often say little about slander or materialism. Acceptable Christian sins. And thus there is little said about the sin of anxiety. It is another area where I believe we are in danger of being conformed to the world in its thinking. How do we deal with anxiety? Well, the world says, you know, try distraction therapy, try relaxation techniques, try yoga, try my mood-altering medication. All those various things are, are offered by the world. Surely it cannot be denied that those recommendations are entering and being adopted by the Christian church even today. But here in Philippians chapter 4, the loving pastor, the Apostle Paul, sets out his desires for the well-being of the church. That is his heartbeat in these verses. He is concerned that the church, they know spiritual well-being. And thus he gives these various directives they come in, in various forms, but we have these ones in verse number 6 and 7 regarding the issue of anxiety. We should note that in these very words, the apostle does acknowledge that there are things that will test the people of God. He does comment about these everythings, but in everything. In other words, there are things, things that will occur in your lives that will be a test and may lead to anxiety. But here the apostle tells us how we are to respond. In this, in this epistle itself, there are instances of persecution and illness, the wickedness of the world around, errors within and without the church. All these things are in these four chapters. And all of those things could provoke anxiety in God's people. And yet the Apostle Paul comes at the, to the close of the, the epistle and he says, Be careful for nothing. So how will we respond to life's troubles? How are we going to respond when anxiety comes into your souls? Now, Paul tells us that we must not be conformed to this world, but be transformed again by the renewing of our minds. One writer in these verses has entitled it, An Impossible Imperative. An impossible command, be careful for nothing. I've thought upon that. I don't believe that's entirely fair. Because God gives us something that by His Spirit we are able to obey. It is certainly a challenging command. But it is not an impossible imperative. Because when God gives a command, He gives us the grace by His Spirit to obey the command. So let's examine the command together. And the first thing I want to do is just note the command as it is expressed. And it is in those first four words, be careful for nothing. Now, I want to initially qualify the command. So we're thinking about the command expressed, but let's qualify it to begin with. And we've got to think negatively what this does not mean. The phrase is, be careful for nothing. And perhaps that word careful may present uh, some confusion today. When Paul says we must be careful for nothing, he is not saying that we should have no cares or concerns in our lives. 
He's not saying that we should lie back and watch as life drift them by. Now, that is not biblical at all. It is right and proper for God's people to take responsibility and to take care of multiple things. It is right for the godly man to take care of his wife and family and to have that as a, as a care in his soul. It is right to be concerned and careful regarding your work or your health or, or all such things or, or even the church. This is not a command to be careless. So, uh, having qualified it, let me explain it. And explain it is in this word care. Be careful, uh, literally to be full of care for nothing. Now, this word care, again, it varies depending on its context. I want you to turn back to Matthew chapter 6, though. And in Matthew chapter 6, you'll, you'll see this word uh, translated care or careful in Philippians chapter 4, but translated differently in Matthew chapter 6. This, of course, is the Sermon on the Mount or Lord's teaching regarding the subject. And in verse number 25 of Matthew 6, he says this, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Now, the word translated care in Philippians chapter 4 is here the word thought. Take no thought for your life. Now, the Lord clearly is not exhorting people to be careless regarding their lives. To do so would be to violate the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. So therefore he is not saying that you should be careless regarding what you eat or what you drink. He's not advocating alcoholism. He's not advocating gluttony. That's not the point. The point of the passage is very clearly that we ought not to be anxiously thoughtful regarding these things because the point is that God will provide for our needs. And therefore, the same word down in verse number 31, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Verse number 32. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. The same word used. The same word in all of those verses. The word thought is the word care. It has the idea of your thoughts being dominated by worry. And it's helpful to see that. Because when you read Philippians 4 about being careful, it is dealing with the issue of what we understand as our thoughts. Because if you've suffered from anxiety, you know what happens in your experience. It is a fretful, panicked, annoying worry, a feverish thing that disturbs our peace and destroys our joy and dominates our thoughts. If you've ever been anxious... You know what happens. What's the last thing you think about at night before you perhaps possibly fall asleep? It is that thought. And what's the first thing you think about when you wake up? It is that thought. And when your thoughts are being dominated by a particular issue, it is more than likely that you're suffering from some sort of anxiety. And it is the anxiety that dominates your thought life. Yes, it arises in your mind, but you often feel it in the very pit of your stomach. 
You have that knowing GNAW, like a, like a beaver is working away in your insides. You, you feel that troubled spirit because of something in your lives. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's, he's saying in Philippians chapter 4, do not let your thoughts be dominated by anything. Or if you like, in simple modern English, be anxious for nothing. It is the extent of the command that is very striking. It is for nothing. We must not be anxious about anything that this world may throw at us. That is the command as it is expressed. But again, as we continue with that, I want to qualify it again. Again, I think we must be very wise and careful here. We, we must be aware as to our frame. In other words, we must be aware as to how God has made us. There is a natural response to bad news or testing events or trouble. Your natural instinct is to feel and experience the emotions of fear and anxiety. That's how you've been wired. If you young people, good to see young people here tonight. If you're, if you're doing your biology, it's all to do with your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And you're wired in such a way that when you are faced with some sort of event, the natural response is to do one of two things. It is to fight or flight. That's the old phrase that was used. It is to fight or is to run away. That's a natural response. God has wired you that way in terms of your neurological system. And therefore we must not underestimate that in our experience of life. So when you are faced with bad news, an upcoming examination or a job interview, the like, there is an immediate knee-jerk reaction to those things. And each of us will be faced with difficulties and troubles in our lives. As Job said, yet man is bored under trouble as the sparks fly upward. When faced with a life-threatening illness, when the doctor may lower the voice as they tend to do when they're given bad news and they, they sit you down and they, they say to you, I, I, I'm sorry. It's cancer. There is an actual response of anxiety there. When your boss brings you into the office and says, um, I'm sorry, we, we, ha we have run out of work. I know you have a family of, of five children. You've got, to, you've got to feed them all, but we've run out of work. You're, you're no longer going to be in employment here. There is a natural response of anxiety. When your wife comes home and says to you, I don't love you anymore. I'm going to leave you. There's a man down the street. I'm going to go and live with him. There is a natural response of anxiety. You see, again, I said it's good to have young people here because young people, you need to store the Word of God up in your heart that you would not sin against God in the future. So there is an understandable reaction when life brings its troubles. It is how we are wired. And as one author put it, people cannot snap out of their anxiety any more than a person with a broken leg can get up and walk. It's important we recognize this. I remind you again of the words, in everything there are things in life that will provoke anxiety. This portion would mean nothing if there were not things in our lives that caused us to be careful and to be anxious. Paul, rather than scolding the anxiety, he offers the advice, be careful for nothing but 
The sin, please listen, the sin of anxiety does not lie in the immediate response to the troubles of life, but it lies when we do not deal with it as we ought. Please be clear in that. There is the initial response, sorry, there is the immediate reaction. But how we deal with it, that's the issue in this text. But before we go on to that, I do need to apply the command as it's expressed. So we've qualified it, we've sort of said what it doesn't mean, we've, we've thought what it does mean, but in applying it, I want to be very clear, anxiety that is tolerated is sin. Tolerated anxiety is sin. This is a command. Be careful for nothing. And if you, with a contented spirit, allow yourself to live in anxiety, you are guilty of sin under the Word of God. Remember, when we read the commands of the New Testament, we are reading God's Word and God's law. Therefore, to disobey those or to not conform to those laws is sin. And here Paul is giving a command. Why is anxiety a big deal? Because anxiety, well, it's pointless, useless, faithless, needless. It's all of those things. But it's also a direct assault against the character of God. When we are being anxious, we are allowing ourselves to directly attack the very character of God. The Bible tells us that God is good. And when we're anxious, we deny that truth and we call God a liar. The Bible tells us that God is love. And when we're anxious, we deny that truth and we call God a liar. The Bible even tells us that God cares for his people. And when we're anxious, we deny that and we call God a liar. That's why anxiety is so serious. The Bible tells us that God works all things together for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. When we're anxious, we deny that truth. We deny the sovereignty of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the benevolence of God. We deny all of those things. When we allow ourselves to be consumed with anxiety, this is no small sin. And part of the battle we face in life is it's one of those sins that so easily besets us. And we are so easily consumed with our thoughts that we are, even as God's people, running the danger of denying the very goodness of God. Anxiety is essentially pride. Over in 1 Peter chapter 5, it's a parallel reference. You have the instruction to cast all your cares upon him, casting all your care upon him. But the command is verse number 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, casting all your care upon him. See, when we allow ourselves to be anxious, we are saying either that God cannot intervene or that we don't need God. Either, both of those, they are manifestations of pride. My problems are too big for my God. What's that? Pride. Or I can handle my problems on my own. What's that? It's pride. And so when we apply this command to be careful for nothing, I apply it deliberately in that sense of applying the very character of God to your souls, that we would take this seriously. That we make sure 
that by God's grace we do obey this challenging command. So the command is expressed. But in the second place, the command is expanded. It's expanded. And that's in verse number 6 again of Philippians chapter 4. Be careful for nothing but... And is this, is this but and the, the clauses that follow after the but that expands upon this command? In everything, be not careful but prayerful. The command is to let your requests be made known unto God. And the language of 1 Peter chapter 5 is to, is to cast all your cares. Same words used. It's to cast all your cares upon Him. Now, first of all, note. When you consider this response of prayer, please note the mode of prayer. We are told in verse number 6 that we are to let our requests be made known unto God. The mode of prayer is a presenting of requests unto God. This word request is used again in various ways. In the New Testament it's used. Pilate used the word in, in Luke chapter 23. In Luke 23 he refers to the sentence of the Lord and says that it should be as they required. Same word. The people wanted the Lord's death. So they requested what they wanted. The request was a matter of their desires. It's used over in 1 John chapter 5 regarding the word petitions. We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Same word, requests, petitions, things that are required. This is very important. Because Paul tells us the response to anxiety is to present particular petitions before God. To bring specific requests. To cast our cares upon the Lord. That's a challenge to God's people because in 1 Peter 5, when we're told to cast our cares upon the Lord, it has the sense of throwing them away. Throwing them on to the Lord. The burdens that we suffer, let us throw them on to the Lord. But what happens in God's people's experiences is this. And I've met with this in, in pastoral counseling. They throw them onto the Lord. And then they feel guilty because they've got to throw them again. And they say, I mustn't have thrown it properly the first time. The sense is, is very, very simple. Whenever the care comes, throw it. Yeah, it may be like a boomerang. You know what a boomerang is? Boys and girls, you know boomerangs? I remember learning a song when I was a, a young boy. My boomerang won't come back. He kept throwing it. I kept throwing away. The boomerang's meant to come back. And well, sometimes our cares are like that. We, we throw them away, but they keep coming back and hitting us in the head again. So what should you do? Get the boomerang and throw it away again. That's the point here. It's a continual practice. And it may well be something that you've got to keep on fighting with. You've got to keep on throwing away those boomerangs of those cares. Keep presenting those petitions and requests unto God. It is particular and specific praying. If that's the mode, I want to note the manner of our praying because there are three additional words used. I note there are four terms in total regarding prayer in this verse. You have the word prayer. The word prayer is a very general word. It's used for offering up our desires and wishes. But particularly, it is used with regards to things directed towards God. So the idea of requests, that can be made to man. But the idea of prayers, these are, these are a God-word focus. Our prayers must be God-centered. It seems almost too obvious to state, but our prayers are, be, are to be directed to God. 
I think that's part of the problem sometimes. God's people get to prayer as they think. And they understand that they are not to be anxious but prayerful. And they, they seek to get into prayer. But what happens in prayer is that they allow their anxieties and their thoughts to dominate the prayer. So what happens in prayer is not presenting petitions to God. It is just stewing over our troubles in ourselves. So when you get to prayer, you must labor and fight to remember Hebrews chapter 11 that God is and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So you've got to do all you can in your power by God's grace to continually fight to say, I am not praying to myself here, but I'm bringing these prayers unto God, the almighty God the one who made heaven and earth. That's who you're approaching with your cares. The word supplication is also used. This is not redundant speech. This is not like your English teacher marking your essay and said, you keep using the same terms and scoring these out. Now, the Apostle Paul is, is expanding upon the terms here. And the idea of supplication has a sense of urgency. A sense of need, of, of, of fervency in our prayers. It conveys our utter inadequacy and our utter dependence upon God. Prayers that don't only come from the lips, but come from our hearts burdened with our need of God. The last phrase is with thanksgiving. What better remedy is there for care and anxiety than thanksgiving? Because, again, I've, I've mentioned to you a number of times now, what happens in anxiety is that our thought life becomes dominated by one thing. And that becomes such a large thing in our mind that we can't see anything else. And so the apostle tells us here, you've got to get through that to see all the things you have to be thankful for. Because whatever happens in your life, if you're a child of God, you have Christ, and with Christ you have everything. And so there is this responsibility to be thankful, to thank God for his past mercies, to thank God for his present mercies, to thank God for his temporal blessings and for the spiritual blessings we enjoy, to thank God above all for his everlasting mercy. He has saved me. He sent his son to die for me. I'm forgiven. I'm an heir of an everlasting kingdom. None of that can be taken away. Whatever trouble I may have, whatever may cause my anxiety, a runaway wife, a lost job, a health diagnosis, none of those things can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus your Lord. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.